Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It started out like a song. We started quiet and slow with no surprise and then one morning i woke to realize we had a good thing going well hello everybody well hello folks uh we are coming to you today obviously in celebration of the wonderful Stephen Joshua Sondheim, who left this earth on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, which I feel... 91 years old. 91 years old. What a life, what a legacy. Uh, But I love that in true Sondheim fashion, it was like within 24 hours of good, there was 24 hours of bad. I feel like that that just fit him to a T. And it came at, you know, I think usually when people of that age pass away, there's a couple of days or weeks of warning that uh, this is things are starting to wrap up. And this was not the case with him at all. We just got a text from our friend, Carl Danielson, who was at the theater uh, seeing Dana H. And uh, what's the, the matinee that was, is this uh, a room? Is this a room? Yeah. And he was like, he's here we're right across the aisle. I mean, that was like a week ago. I want to say that he, was yeah, there. that was on Saturday. And then yeah. Sunday he did an interview with the times. Yeah. And then, Paulson. yeah. Yeah. And then Friday uh, he left us. And so we felt it was appropriate to do an episode in celebration of him and to talk about all the other shows that, uh, that have changed our lives that he was some way involved yeah. with. And first of all, uh, I want to start off by saying I did not realize so many people knew the man's address. Uh, boy, I mean, I, I, phone books, you know, were were around, but it's so yes. everybody. I mean, everyone had a New York phone book. I mean, everybody was able to find his address on 49th Street. Unbelievable. Um, uh, it was. 
uh, so many letters. What's amazes me about him, and this is, I still am amazed by this, is this was a guy who changed the face of musical theater, who did not need to help anyone, um, and somehow had time to write every single person who wrote to him with a thoughtful letter. None of those letters ever seemed dismissive. Question. Yes. Do you remember the first time? Because I remember the first time I met someone who had a correspondence with him. Do you remember the, you know, when you first did? Like mine was in college. I was, it was like the year 1999. Uh, and this guy who was a, a composer in, in, in school, he, he like on a whim wrote him. And I'll never forget when he got the letter back. And he, you know, it was a short and sweet letter, but it was from Stephen Santa. I mean, it was, it was on that same white paper that everybody has typed that everybody has, you know. Um, but it blew my mind. Blew my mind I, that you could reach out to somebody. I did not realize until I think I got to the city mm-hmm. that this was something that was common. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that you would write him and some secretary would, you know, write back, Mr. Sondheim thanks you, or, right. you know, if, if you got a response at all. But the fact that he's gotten, he was so detailed in his responses to people, I think that just goes to underline what his whole life was about, which was teaching. He was a brilliant teacher. Brilliant. And Absolutely. I mean, you you can watch all of those master classes that are on YouTube. And folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, in the 1980s, he did a master class series in London where he taught uh, people or coached, I should say, people through songs like My Friend from Sweeney, Getting Married Today, Send in the Clowns. And I'll be honest with you. Later. Yeah. La- oh, later. Yes. Those singers are not the strongest singers uh, vo- through vocal technique. Right. That man does not care. He only mm. cares about the storytelling. The communication, yeah. And it would have been so easy for him to make a snide little comment about their vocal prowess or to, to put them down because they were not great musicians. He had a smile on his face because it was all about teaching. And I think this, I, which I'm assuming he learned from Oscar Hammerstein. Oh, yeah. It's, as a protege. Um, definitely. And he continued that tradition. And I'm so hoping that the people that he mentored will continue that tradition. Um, I kind of have a feeling someone like Lin-Manuel Miranda will, but to keep that, that door open, I mean, I will be honest with you. I have worked with a lot of composers that are nowhere near, near the orbit of Mr. Sondheim that yeah. have a chip on their shoulder yes. and are as arrogant as can be and charge yeah. for their advice and time. You can do that. It's a free country, but the way that Mr. Sondheim did it, I think, is just so classy and so wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And it, this is a handed down art form, I believe. I mean, you I are do correct. This, this is a trade. This is something that, sure, you can go to school and you can study all the basics and all of that. But I think the real craft of it is something that must be you know, experienced and learned from someone who, who has lived those shoes. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to copy their style or their writing. That's composition is, is completely different. How, which chords you want to use, which melodies, you know, make you, make you spin. But I think that the, the craft of it is something that can be, it should be handed down. And the fact that he reached out to so many people, the people that got, you know, some success because of it. And then the people who went on in different things in their life. And yet that certainly I'm sure had an impact, uh, you know, their, their education, they learned from him and whatever, what they do with the, for a living, whether it be writing or producing or whatever that may be. But he, he, he passed it on. And, and I, you're right. I think I, I'm sure that other writers will be, 
doing that as well. Um, like people like Lynn Manuel and stuff. God, I wish we had Jonathan Larson alive still because that oh, watching yeah. Tick Tick Boom and seeing you know their representation of Stephen Sondheim in that movie, which was very reverent uh, in, in sort of their their take on him um, as it should be. But it, you just it really kind of he was everywhere. <laughs> just everywhere he was everywhere and he put his money where his mouth was you know i mean he he knew that it was not easy to get into this business it was not easy to make a living in this business he had the young playwrights festival i'm sure we'll find out that there is money left over to go to new writers or to start a new foundation or something i would not be surprised if that did not happen um, I'm sorry, I, w- I would be surprised if that didn't happen is what right, I should right. say. And he was just this very, very special individual. And I'm so happy that you said that this is a passed down art form because one of, uh, it's a little pet peeve of mine, but I won't, I have two pet peeves. I'll tell you what okay. they are. One is somebody using someone's first name when they don't know them. So like, I used to have a friend who used to say, oh, you know, John and Freddie, would say blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who the hell are John and Freddie? Oh. And he goes, oh, Candor and Ebb. It's like, you know them? No, that's a pet peeve of mine. So I've, I've met, I met Mr. Sondheim a few times, but I would never dare to call him Steve or Steven. You had a working yeah. relationship with him. You call him whatever the hell you want. But I'm yes. like, Mr. Mr. Sondheim. My second pet peeve, though, are... I see so many people that go into like musical theater writing programs and they're being taught by people who've never written a musical or have only done like one thing or read books like how to write a musical by someone at the university of nowhere. And you're like, what do you know about it? So the academic it's academic. So the fact that somebody who was in the trenches, like Mr. Sondheim, who then took time, time he did not need to spend to train other people and to mentor other people and to guide other people, I think is incredible. I am sure he was, I'm sure he's a human being. I'm sure he had good moments and bad moments. I have never heard anything incredibly negative about him. Honestly, I've never, I've never heard any sort of story of, Oh, well, you know, he was an asshole about blah, 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 or the way he treated blah. I, I have never heard those stories. I can't say I have it either. I, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think now that, you know, and, a, and if anything, he was resp- like <laughs> that one letter that went around where he was like, dear so-and-so, no, you may not put together setting the clowns and baby shark regards. He was on there. Like he still even like yeah. replied to that, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Although I will um, say, I think that was a mistake on his end. Yeah, I mean, it the, really the, could have been something big. It the fact that he did not see that, that, and he had such a good, self-deprecating sense of humor he's like and now send in the clowns a medley of all my hits yes um (laughs) and it's i mean what i also loved about him and i think this is something that it lacks a little bit in in other writers or good let let me go back one of the things i really enjoy about him i should say is that his enthusiasm for the art form of musical theater never wavered I was watching a masterclass, uh, not a masterclass, I'm sorry, an interview with him and Barbara Cook. Mm-hmm. And the moderator asked Barbara Cook, um, what show of yours did you enjoy the most mm-hmm. to be a part of? And she actually hesitated. And she was like, she goes, the only one I can really think of is the music man um, because it challenged me. Uh, and it was nice to be in a hit. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, oh, 
and you could see like Sondheim like starting to like move in his seat like he wanted to say something but didn't want to intrude and then she was like well I think also you know she loves me and he's like oh good He's like, he goes, I, he goes, I would imagine that singing those great songs eight times a week would be amazing and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, and I really love the song that Jerry and Sheldon cut um, um, that, you know, Vanilla Ice Cream replaced. And I really want you to sing that. And like, it, it was so fun to watch him be enthused. And I think you have a story about <laughs> going to his house. Yeah, like. I, there, it's some of them are like I never share them unless like we have once or twice on the podcast. But you know, I'm, people's anecdotes are like dreams. Like you really don't need to hear about it unless it's like really <laughs> you know poignant. But it was simple. I mean, we we you know he would host parties if you were in a in a, a show of his on Broadway or off Broadway. I think he would host a party at his house uh, with the band and the cast. <clears throat> and so for little night music. It's only a cast of 15 or 16, a band of like seven. So it was a small, nice, intimate party. Um, and the, everybody came, of course. And, you know, you went to the door. He greeted you when you rang the doorbell. He took your coat. He, you know, he welcomed you in. But um, by the end of the night, most a lot of people had left. I stayed. And I found myself with him, next to him. And I was a lo- – I love – he collects records. I, he collects puzzles and all that. But on his office, he had just – like I have, like – hundreds of records of musicals and i said to him and i and i observed that you alphabetize them by um composer not by 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 title like most people do but in the classical world opera and such you do do it by composer and he said well kevin it's because i think of the music first that's how i i just that's how i associate with musicals um and and it rocked my world and then me being the cheeky little 30 year old musical theater nerd that i was i tried to think of the most obscure musical that that he i could you know, be like, well, what if you want to listen to Nefertiti is what came out of my mouth. And without even skipping a beat, Rob, he was like, oh, oh, yes. Um, David Spangler uh, did the music. Christopher Gore did the lyrics. Uh, yeah, yeah. S. Spangler. And then he like mentioned a song in the second act that maybe needed a little revising that he thought he could, you know, have a better lyric. And so I guess the takeaway was that this is a person who is the best at what he does um, or, you know, one of the most gifted, <clears throat> a pioneer. Uh, and yet he is as big a fan or bigger fan than anybody else that he, it's not a coincidence. He did. He writes good stuff. He is actively seeking out, was actively seeking out every writer. There was even a, even a production of a 1977 musical in Chicago that never came to New York of this musical about Nefertiti and uh, how wild and random. Um, and he also mentioned that uh, his classical, cause he loves classical music. And he said that he would, um, I think I asked him about, you know, how he gets ideas or writing ideas. And he said that when he was really younger, he would send away for records from small countries and the most lesser known, you know, contemporary classical writers, unknown writers that he could get their new ideas. Because a lot of times those are the people that were coming up with new harmonic ideas and ways of playing with melody and and the different layers that goes into music. And he wanted he's like, and if you if you steal from everybody, then it's like you make your own. But if, if you just steal from one person, then that's not that's stealing. But he's like, I would take their ideas and get inspiration from that. And I thought that was just amazing that he was a sponge constantly for new ideas, new musical motifs, new ways of creating um, or contributing to musical theater, you know, and elevating it to a new level. I mean, that's, it was tireless. And I remember I snuck up to his office because the apartment was like open 
And he has that main office on the second floor that everyone knows where the piano is, where they had the fire many years ago. But then up above is like his office office, which was like a big workroom where he probably wrote all of his letters and stuff. Uh, and I remember thinking it was like a whole room just for with paper stacked everywhere and scores and letters and just like a, a business room, like a room for business, not just, you know, um, you know, a a desk, but just many desks. And I, I remember just being overwhelmed by the fact that this person takes what they do for a living. I mean, like, it's not just like, Oh, I wrote a couple shows and that's it. But it's, it's the active ingredient of corresponding, writing back, um, you know, uh, keeping that momentum moving forward, I guess, with the art form. And I, it was really impressive that he was both a sponge for it and, um, push, put it forward, you know? So I think that's really something. Do you remember the first time you discovered his music? Um, just as as a young actor or as a, as a young person? Actually, I do because when I was um, like 14 in 1994, we had a really great, um, just like so many people that we've interviewed, we had a, a great um, high school director, you know, theater person that came in and did really um, cool work. And one of the first, the first musical I ever did ever um, at a high school uh, was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I played hysterium. Um, and that was my first. You were hysterium? To, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm perfectly calm. I'm utterly under control. Oh yeah. Loved it. And that was the first time I really sort of got that this person, this was different than Greece. <laughs> this was different than, or I grew up watching Peter Pan, the musical with Mary Martin. That was like my, my, or Bye Bye Birdie, you know, that there was a, a, another level of, of wordplay comedy. And I don't even think I appreciate it the way that I do now, of course, but I knew that this was a special person. Um, and of course, just like everyone in our generation, I remember the first time I ever watched into the woods on VHS. And I remember watching Sunday in the park, you know, I remember not getting all of it, but it's still being so magical and, and a really um, indelible impression. What about you? When was the first time you really hit him in your orbit? I think, you know, it's interesting. My my mother was a very big um, theater fan and her favorite show was Sweeney Todd. And oh, really? so, yeah. And so I got introduced to that at a very early age. Yeah. And so that uh, I, I think that she used to use Not While I'm Around as a lullaby to me. And oh, so wow. that so I got introduced that way. Then, of course, then I found out what the hell the show was about. And you're <laughs> like, oh, this is creepy. Um, to say the least, I, I started to really explore his, it was very interesting. I came to his music in sort of a backwards way, which was hearing individual songs first and then finding out the show from what, from which they came. Mm -hmm. The big thing I remember for me was I did not grow up with the into the woods movie the way I think everybody else did. What I did grow up with, because it was like the only theatrical thing available at the local video store, Video For You on Moore Park Road, now closed. Now it's a yoga oh. studio. Um, the pornography section was in the back, and I always saw the guy from church the church there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was like, that's the priest. Um, was they had the VHS of Follies in concert. Oh. And so I would watch that continuously that was my way in and then i don't know if you remember bravo uh before it was reality television was remember it was the artsy channel 
The It Factor was one of my favorite shows from like 2000, 2000 where they followed like seven actors around yes. New York City. God, it was Godfrey. during 9-11 because yes, yes, He became yes. a seven up. He, he was the guy. He did seven up commercials. And I just worked with Jimmy one. Smugula, who's yes, still Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, yes. yes. I, I worked in the theater a couple of years ago and Jimmy and I were both directing shows and I got so starstruck. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I, I, I really hate to bother you. They, Daisy Egan was also, I think. I sure. think she was on it. The id factor. They should do a reunion of that show and see what the hell Damn happened you. to those people. God, I love that. Sorry, um, I interrupted you. No, but if you remember, Bravo was like the intellectual channel. And yeah. I remember they did an Inside the Actor studio with Stephen Sondheim. And I watched that and I was like, I don't know really that much about him. And then hearing his process, this was an old one because it had James Lipton without his beard or his pretentiousness. So that was <laughs> that was a very old one. Just a stack of cards. Just yeah. a stack of cards. Um, and that changed my life because to hear him explain what songwriting was. Um, then I remember uh, there was a, there's another channel. I think it's still on. It's like the arts channel. It's that thing that comes on like in the middle of the night. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about where they I play do. Like I different love that things. Channel, actually. And they kept playing over and over again the a weekend in the country that was done at the 92 Sontime Carnegie Hall. Yes. And I was like, what is this? I didn't know what the fuck the show was about. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing which was you didn't for me, I didn't know what the shows were about, but I would hear the songs get mentioned in the song titles and I didn't know what they were until I actually like years later delved into the actual right. album. Right. But I remember my most transformative Sondheim experience. And I don't think a, music, a song has touched me as much since. Uh, is Sunday, the actual song Sunday, like everybody else. But I have a very distinct memory getting the CD from the library. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and it was like the summer between my sophomore and ju- no, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I think. And a, on a hot summer night, like 2 a.m. in California, I couldn't sleep. And I listened to Act One, and I'll never remember just like getting to that song for the first time and just crying. Mm-hmm. Just I'm not an artist, like I'm not a visual. I that I don't do that, you know. It's about some French painter who lived a hundred years ago, but just being so touched by the beauty of it. So that's that's my memory. Now, how many Sondheim shows have you been involved in in some capacity? Um, or which ones did, have you done? You did Forum? Forum, yep. And then freshman year of college, we did uh, Merrily We Roll Along, the original. She got hills uh, of tomorrow. the original script. Yes, Beyond the Hills of Tomorrow. Yes. Um, none of those what, blobs what, were in there. What do you um, – so it, I hate to interrupt, but I have to ask no, you because I know please. people get very opinionated about this. Do you prefer the Hills of Tomorrow opening, closing, or do you prefer the Rich and Happy – I do, but I, I think it's because that thing that happens when you did something that was like sure. really big when you were 18, 19, and, and you think that, that that had that was the foundation of your art. So like it's hard to separate my intellectual, you know, analyzation of the show versus my experience being in it when I was 18 and thinking, how amazing is this? And I loved it. I absolutely loved that version of it. And, and, and yes, definitely. So I would do, I would prefer the original original. And I think you prefer Hills tink- of Tomorrow. The more they tinkered with it, the more it got a little gussied up, if you will. Oh, there he is, folks, <laughs> using puns. Okay, who, who were you in Merrily? 
Um, I was I was the young th- I was the young protege who was like at the piano during. I think they cut it in the original later versions. That's why. That's probably why I, I, that, I they got rid of your part. Yeah. But it was like boom, 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 trying to be the new writer in the rich and happy or uh, you know the life is swinging. Yeah, you know, the, the skies are blue and bells are yeah. ringing. Party, dun 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 dun. dun. Um, and I had like a little solo in that, and that was really it. That was that was all I had. But it, okay, in mean, ensemble, you know, it's a hit and all of that. And then. Um, uh, and then um, I'm, I don't think I've ever done company um, into the woods. Now I'm music directing it right now, actually. Um, and we did merrily together. Um, mm-hmm. But as far, I don't think I've ever. And I, well, I was Rapunzel's Prince in a production of Into the Woods uh, in regional theater. Yeah, um, I saw a picture of that go by on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You um, gave us cheekbones. It was great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's really it. I, I think, you know, I like, I, you know, we did like scenes like Barcelona was my scene in college and stuff like that. What about you? I know that you worked on concerts when you worked with Lonnie Price. Um, I, the Sondheim concert. My first, also. I'm trying to think my first Sondheim was I did Into the Woods in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody does. I was the narrator, mysterious man. Yeah, you were. And Danny Lincoln who's a former uh, colleague of ours, was my baker. Wow. So Danny and I have known each other for a long time now, 20 years. Oh, no, sorry. I said it was in high school. So Danny and I have known each other for five years. Um, <laughs> God, it's quick. Get me Botox. Um, I, yeah, I was the narrator slash mysterious man. Perfect for me. Right for that vocal range. Not a singer. Yep. Fit there you that go. pocket. Then in <laughs> college, don't know why we did this in college, um, I was like 21 and we were doing company. Um, so I was, I did company in college, a God awful production of company in which they turned ladies who lunch into a dance number. You're lying. Oh no. no way. It was a dance number with two waiters. She danced with two waiters and the two waiters came out and danced with like martini shakers. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> kind of changes the whole vibe of the song a little bit, but Oh sure, my not? God. It was one of those shows where even then I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I played Harry, uh, the karate yes. couple. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I was like, I, this, I think this was the director in me. The actress who played my wife was a very good friend of mine. And she was like, okay. She goes, well, for the karate scene, she goes, I want to be safe. Amazing. And she's like, um, I think I should bring out a karate mat. Oh, and so, like, she dragged out a karate mat for, and, like, then unfolded the karate mat. This was during the show for us to do the karate on. And I'll never forget. I was like, we're losing the comedy. <laughs> I was an easy actor to work with. But I was like, I think that was the director in me. I'm like, we're losing the comedy. The, come on. We gotta get I was the like, I said, I'll, I said, I don't mind throwing myself on the floor. It's OK. But I was so angry. I was like, we're losing the comedy. And that's when Rob became a director, folks. That's I think it really is, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> um, I d- then in college, uh, for our senior year, we did Candide. Um, oh, right. And I was in Candide. Um, I played, oh, God. It's the character that's like, in the. it was in the London version. I don't know if he's in the other, uh, the other versions. He's the one who sings The Worst of All Possible Worlds. No. Huh. What the hell? Don't, don't make remember. me laugh. Don't make me titter. Life is all chaff. Uh, all pills are bitter. Nothing can happen in this worst of all possible worlds. Something like that. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, that's I. It's it's. I don't know if they do it. And I wanted to play 
Pangloss. Of course you did. That's that would be that's 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 your your resume. Really. Can I can I yeah yeah can I tell a story? Go for it. And I'll be real quick. They brought in this actor to play Pangloss at the college who was a like ringer. a community. Kevin, he was a community oh, theater actor who couldn't memorize any of his lines. And so they used to give him the, a book as Pangloss to hold, which was his script. And I'll never forget. This is a true story. You can ask anybody who was in this production. <laughs> okay. At the end of act one, he was supposed to step forward and say, 15 minutes blackout, like it's intermission. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Opening so, night, I swear to God. He looks out and goes, five minutes. And we're like, what? Uh, <laughs> and we scrambled like mofos. Because we're like, did. we're like, I'm like, are we to like no like we could see through the curtain, no one was getting up. Because they thought, <laughs> oh, it's like a five-minute stretch break. And so we're like, Ken, I shouldn't use his name, but I was like, Ken, like it's not 15 minutes. I mean, it's not five minutes. It's 15 minutes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He used to talk about yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Next performance. Next performance. Swear to God. Intermission. He goes. Twenty-five minutes. It's not it's the opera. Not, we're like, write it down, Ken. It's in the book, Ken. So I did Candide, um, oh, and then God. in grad school, I directed Company. Nice. I directed company with a concept because I love concepts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Um, and then uh, I did Merrily with you. Mm-hmm. I did Merrily with you. And then I did, when I first moved to the city, I was Lonnie's assist, Lonnie Price's assistant on Sweeney, one of many, uh, uh, on Sweeney Todd at uh, Lincoln Center. And he was present for those rehearsals uh, oh, for yeah. towards, towards, for, towards the end. And this, this to me was the most eye-opening thing I think I've ever learned about an artist because here was a guy who could have been so precious mm-hmm. with something. And... Just was like, do what you want. Yeah. He's like, he goes, I, he, and he would say, he goes, I wouldn't do it like that, but it's your, you know, it's you, you do you. I'll never forget on a break, he pulled Audra aside, Audra McDonald, and he said, um, he goes, oh, he goes, come here, come here, come here. And she's like, yes, David. He goes, he goes, if you want, here in the opening, he goes, he goes, you're taking a little breath here and it's going to ruin the joke. He's like, but, but he's like, if you want, he goes, you can take a breath here and you'll still get the laugh for the momentum. He's like, but you do what you want. He goes, I'm just, and she goes, no, she goes, I'll do what you want, Steve. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I think you'll get a bigger payoff there. This guy could have gone up and said, Hey, 
there there was always a reason though like he always it wasn't just oh i wrote it this way so do it this way but you know my, my i've told this many times my little experience recording a little night music there was a section i sang that you know you you know sometimes things morph a little bit as you do a show a long run and i had started sort of reinterpreting one of the phrases the evening air doesn't feel quite right and i was going the evening air doesn't feel so it wasn't as laid out and he was like Kevin I think you'll see I wrote even quarter notes here because and then and he could have just left it like that like just sing what's on the page but he was like because it's it's hypnotizing you're the sun's not setting and we're we're setting this mood that it's it's transfixing it's hypnotizing and so not only did he give you like do it right but he also was like and here's the reason why I wrote it this way you know and, and, and I just think that is so amazing that even Across the board, he was like that, that, that there was, it, it was always about the storytelling, like we said from the very beginning of this episode, but, um, but that he was always those deep, like he, that's one of his three mantras, right? God is in the details. Like it is all about those, those, those tiny little moments that add up, don't they? God is in the details. Yes. Always be a teacher. And I think I can get a coupon for this. <laughs> He was really good at finding Groupon. good bar. He was a big Groupon guy. That's one of the reasons why he didn't write as much in his later years, because somebody was like, hey, have you seen Groupon? And then he just spent all of his time being like, hey, buying. telling his husband, you know, if we go kayaking in Colorado, I have a two for one. <laughs> that's all I kept looking at was clipping those things. That's, oh, God, that, no, I think, but I think that's such a, a great testament to him of, very easy. I mean, I've worked with new writers where it's like, can we change? No, it's what I wrote. Uh, okay. And here he is. Here he is, the greatest of all time, saying, do what you want. Like, yeah, you know, I, if I were you, I would try it like this. Yeah, you'll find yeah. this is probably going to work better, but. <laughs> yeah, and I mean. Yeah. And it does. And he's and, right. And I mean, he's, like, right. he's almost always right, isn't he? He's, he's right. I also loved, you know what I was obsessed with? Do you remember the New York Times thing? I think it's 20 years old now. Of the course. Songs I Wish I, I wish Had I Written. Wrote. Yes. Which I, There's playlists so, on Spotify. You can like find oh, really? people created, curated that. Oh, yeah. One of the things I always wanted to do, but we couldn't make it work, was I wanted him to do it at 54 Below. Yeah. And to pick like 13 of those songs and have people sing them, but him give the commentary on why he wanted to write that really? song. And it just it never was able to work itself out. But I was like, that could be... So much fun if he had done that. Yeah. Uh, thank God he left us two fantastic books. Great books. You know, um, and I think one of the questions that I know we get a lot is how come he was never a guest on our show, on mm -hmm. our show? And I think, tell the story. Well, we wrote to him. I mean, I wrote to him. <laughs> tell I a story, Kev. <laughs> tell a story, Kev. No, we wrote to him. Um, and uh, I, it was a Sunday evening. Um, and I was like, I am going to, let's see, let's see what happens here. And this was like four years ago. So it was still kind of early on. Um, and I wrote, you know, I, I gave him like the spiel and he said, um, you know, uh, well, I have the email right here. He said, dear Kevin Thomas, thank you for the invitation, but I simply have neither the time <laughs> to babble on anymore about myself. Um, you should have corralled me sooner before I got all talked out. Please forgive me with apologies. And then I tried to, I tried to push a little harder <laughs> to say, we'll talk about, you know, mentorship and all that. And he said, it might be fun for you, but not for me as Comden Green might sing quote, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I just thought even then still a classy rejection letter um, from a classy man, still quoting his idols and, um, you know, but being, did, being sweet about it. But we did find out that he listens. 
to the show or he that was, that was, uh, that was, that was part of the, I think that's what spawned it actually. We, we, we talked yeah. to our good friend, Michael Levine and who was, you know, friends with, uh, with Mr. Sondheim. And, uh, and I thought, all right, come on. If he listens to us, maybe he wants to be a part of it. But I always pictured him like listening to us in his bathtub, yelling at us. <laughs> yes. Or our guest. Or our guest. That's not in G. There was one guest who I think told the story about Sontem yelling at him. And I pictured Sontem being like, yeah, because you were wrong. <laughs> I mean, period. That's typing really away good. at the typewriter. Click, 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 click. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Writing letters and like talking back to the speaker. Is yes. there a show of his that's a dream of yours? Like, is there a role that you still want to play or a show that you'd want a music direct of his? Um, I would. Well, I mean, I'm fast growing out of but i still i think company is a beautiful show and i would love to what do you Bobby, mean growing but, out of it antonio um, banderas is playing it right now in spain maybe right. you need to- he's like <laughs> um I, well, that's a really good question um i would i mean it's not his score but i a gypsy remains one of my top you know like desert island musicals for sure um to be in and or to, to music direct? To just be a part of somehow. Yeah, either be in or to, to music direct. I would I would just like want to be a part of it. Um, and no, because I feel like we've been really lucky that, you know, I've been able to do a lot of them. Um, I, I, will, I mean, I still love Little Night Music. I still think that is just a beautiful, a beautiful show. And I, I never was ever. I did it for a year and a half and I never got tired of it. Um, you know, it's a you know, show that I don't. I like I don't listen to a lot for some reason in my cast album rotation, and I don't know why. But on Thursday, the day before he died, I was like, "I'm going to listen to a little night music." And I sat down and I put it on. I was like, "God damn, this is so good!" It is, um, and the book is good. That a lot of people yeah. when they saw it, they were like, "I didn't know it was so funny." It's a, it's funny. It's really yeah. funny. It is a you very know? funny book. Do you have a favorite Sondheim song or lyric? It's, it, I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to probably ask this of each other, and it's—I don't want to say I—it's—I don't because I do, but it's—it's it's hard to. You either love it because he's so clever, or you because he's—you know—the hands on the clock turn, but don't sing a nocturne just yet. I mean, that's just a really witty. That's smart. It's clever, but as far as heartfelt, I must tell you doing into the woods right now with my students. Um, and now I have, I did it year, a, year, a couple years ago where I was in it and I, you know, I thought, oh, this is good. I like, it. it's pretty. Like the ending is so, it's oh wow. It's so sweet. Now that I have a two and a half year old son and now when I get to the end of it and you know, we get to the children, children will listen, destroys me. It absolutely, it destroys me because the idea that the baker has to go on with life now with his, as a single parent and that he's, and he's going to like pass this on to his kid. I, it just, and, and one of the things that, and this is not answering your question, but it sort of is, because I would probably cite that now in my life, but I, I, I can't, I don't understand how this person could with all of these different kinds of shows. I just saw assassins and he humanized these people in assassins, but how he could, he could get reached the core of, of a certain human existence that like, until I had a son, I, I could, there's no way I could have understood and appreciated what that feeling is like. How in the world did this person not only write lyrics, but music to go with it so that together they, 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 they make me want to weep because of it's so true and it's so spot 
on, you know, and this is someone who famously really didn't know love in his life until later on in his life, you know, um, and so how was he able to write about it so deeply in Sweeney Todd and The Little Night Music and, you know, all these other shows? It's just, it, I, that part is, will always forever astound me, that he could capture the human existence that wasn't his, that he could just imagine and, and come up with. Um, so the short answer is children uh, will listen. <laughs> I, th- I think that's beautiful. I think that's absolutely beautiful. It's a good choice. Um, what about you and his, uh, Oh, um, Oh God. Oh my God. I know I, there was so, I asked the question. I should have known the answer. I I mean, there are so many, um, Oh, I mean, of course it's, it's, I don't want to say it's cliche, but it, I, I love it from Sunday. Uh, any, uh, what, um, <laughs> everybody loves, no, <laughs> no, I do like everybody loves Louie. Um, Oh my God. Why am I having a brain fart? Uh, I, it's anything you do, let it come from you. Then it will be new. Give us more to see. I couldn't speak it. I could only sing it. That's okay. Good. Yeah. Move on. Move on. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, but that, but that particular passage. That lyric, yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, I think comedy tonight is genius. My favorite Absolutely. though. And, and the, the, this is so it's, it's so odd, but I, I was like, to me, I'm like, what a brilliant, I, 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 lo- I love subtext. And I think the best example of subtext in a musical theater composition is in Buddy's eyes. Mm, yeah. Because Ollie's, well, yeah. it's a woman talking to this guy who had she gone with him, her, her life would have been different. And mm-hmm. she's trying to convince herself. She's trying to convince him. She's telling him, Hey, everything is fine in my life, but it's clear. She's trying to convince herself. And I, and I love that it gets like a little passive aggressive. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it starts off like life is slow, but it seems exciting because Buddy's there. Gourmet cooking and letter writing and knowing Buddy's there every morning. Don't faint. I tend the flowers. Can you believe it? And I get, I mean, what I love about that opening is I am sure when they were dating, she had dead plants in the house. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, that, she, yeah. that she couldn't take care of anything. And now look at me, I'm a gardener. Mm-hmm. And then it's every weekend I paint for umpteen hours and then then it like it sort of it changes on you and yes i miss a lot living like a shut-in no i haven't got cooks and cars and diamonds like like your wife does yes Mm -hmm. my clothes are not paris fashions like your wife's Mm -hmm. but in buddy's eyes i'm young i'm beautiful and uh, there's something about that that i just go that is so fucking genius it she he totally encapsulates the past 25 to 30 years that these two people have not seen each other. And all the depth that's there and, the depth. and all of the layers and, 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 and specific, you know, moments that add up to a life. Yeah. That's why I think follies, the older you get in life, yeah. it, your relationship with that show changes as well, because there's, there's so many different layers going on. There is you oh, know, God, life yeah. and relationships and all that. It, yeah. Totally and right. I, you know, listen, when we talk about overtures, I know people are like, oh, the gypsy overture is the best overture. The funny girl, the carousel, it's follies. Oh, I was going to say Merrily. Merrily's like one of my oh, favorite overtures. Yes. Okay, great. I love that. I love I, Merrily. I, okay, but follies. I, oh, come on. That's it's crazy. That's um, good. The, yeah. I, either way, we're both in Sondheim land, which is, which is yes. totally, totally fine for both of us. Um, I think, you know, I would love to hear from people about their memories, their first time seeing a Sondheim show, their first, if they had interactions with him, if they wrote him a letter, did he write back? Yeah. Um, 
And I think it's a great, you know, he, thank God he got celebrated so much in his lifetime. Totally. And he was yes. able to see it. That's right. Sadly, and Jonathan Larson will not see Tick, Tick, Boom, but no. Stephen Sondheim got to see all of the wonderful things that he has done for people being rewarded. I mean, every year there was a birthday concert. Every I mean, year. And yes. And, and the fact that he, you know, wasn't, yes, he, he's got, you know, famously he's very not strict, but has control over his shows, you know, and when you do them and who can do them, but also, you know, with his company revival was like, yeah, let's change it up. Let's, let's see what, let's, let's play with this a little bit here. Let's see how we can, you know, uh, change and, and move with a little bit with the times and see what we can find here. I mean, this is, this is someone who was definitely, you know, had their tried to keep this finger on the pulse of 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 what is art and where the art you know transforms, um, and I think that's also very very impressive that he was not present. precious Pre- present Mm-mm. present present yeah yeah absolutely right absolutely and you know and I what I love about him mm-hmm. is like you said he's willing to take risks on his own material yeah uh, do you remember this they did this a few years ago remember they did a reading it didn't go anywhere beyond a reading but an all male company. I do. And Alan that. Cumming was like the Joanne character. I think yeah. Roundabout did it. And he was like, no, not going to work. But it was like wonderful that he, I think he probably felt like it wasn't going to work. But who was he to say, don't right. try it? Right, right. Yeah, you're reading? Sure. <laughs> sure, go for it. Yeah. Um, I'm sad we'll never get to see Square One. I know. Um, I'm assuming there's music from it. I'm sure people would love to get their hands on it in some mm-hmm. way shape or form um but an amazing legacy that he leaves behind yes and so that's us celebrating the great stephen joshua sondheim please share your memories with us on social media and i feel like one of the things sondheim did brilliantly was the promotion of new works yep and supporting new artists so i feel like i have to do a little little new works plug if i can it's not even a new work do you know what i saw a couple of days ago trouble in mind with LaShawns and former guest Chuck Cooper at, at oh, Roundabout. Yes. Um, a play that was written in the 1950s right. by a woman named Alice Childress, who um, this play feels like it could have been written today. It's the story of black actors um, working in a show helmed by white people mm-hmm. and how that conflict uh, sets itself out and what exactly is the role of race and color in a rehearsal setting in a theatrical environment. LaShawn's is great. LaShawn's is great. And I'm so, I, we, we have always tried to get her as a guest, but I feel like we should just try even harder now because her yes. performance is absolutely amazing. So this is one of those rare, rare plays that was written years ago, but feels like it was written today. Um, mm. It is a marvelous, marvelous play that Roundabout is doing. So please, friends, if you're in the area, go see um, Trouble in Mind uh, starring right. LaShawn's because it's and former guest Chuck Cooper. Good old Chuck um, Cooper. It's and his oh my god, his performance oh my god is incredible, just incredible. The, I will be honest with you, the first act is very expository, so it takes a while to figure out exactly what the conflict is going to be. Then act two comes along and it just punches you in the gut. And LaShawn's mm. is genius, but Chuck Cooper, especially, has a beautiful, beautiful monologue. Um, so please friends go see trouble in mind at roundabout and you've only got another week or so to see like a lot of our former guests in mornings at seven, um, with, with Tony Roberts, Alma Cuervo, 
John Everybody. Rubenstein, pretty much anyone who's been on our show yeah. shows up in this. Um, it's a brilliant, beautiful production. And given a totally inappropriate review from the New York Times, they have this critic over there, and I don't think she likes theater. <laughs> Like, I don't know what Bizarre. else to say. Like, but people, you know, she, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, but wasn't for her. I could not disagree more. So please don't go by the Times review. Go by the smiles on people's faces and go mm-hmm. see Mornings at 7. I know that you've been busy. Have you been able to see anything? Uh, I did. I saw I, I saw Assassins uh, the day after. Oh, how passing. was it? Uh, really, I mean, some really incredible performances. I love the, they orchestrated it, uh, with more of like that sort of, you know, John Doyle production, a lot of the actors play instruments, but I really love the, the flavor. It was a sort of a patriotic sort of Americana kind of, uh, sound. And I really, I like that kind of smart, I, folky is the word I think I might use to like, you know, and I like the orchestration. I am so curious. The last production of Assassins I ever saw was before Columbine mm. and before school shootings became so prevalent. Do they use real guns in this production? Oh, yeah, and they point them at the audience. Oh, really? Yeah. Do they fire them yeah. or, or the sound effects? Uh, the, thank goodness they, they, they make a sound effect shot so it's not a real – because that would be that, – that's that's too much. Yeah. But they do the – yeah, because and, and classic stage company, it's three-quarters thrust stage. So you were like on eye level with wow. them all. And it's – it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, but it didn't become about the guns. It, yeah. that's, that was, I think. I'm going to see it uh, <clears throat> soon as well, but I'm happy that you got to see it directed by former guest, John Doyle. That's right. That's right. Do we have any other former guests in it or was it just, just him? Probably just him, right? Put me on the spot. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't I think, think we so. did. I don't think we did. We've never had Judy Kuhn on, have we? No. No, we should. We should. You should have stopped the show and been like, Judy, Judy, hand it over. It's Kevin. (laughs) Kevin, hand it over. You guys did Late Miss together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you should have stopped her. Yeah, during her uh, sh- during the scene no and i play the piano there's a great teacher at the of uh, the performing arts school um he teaches like first grade or oh gosh gonna kill me but he teaches he uses musical theater as his technique to teach you've talked kids. about him yeah, yeah. and uh, judy sang he, he, she was a guest and she sang um you know one of her songs from pocahontas and it was so funny because she went up on the lyric and then the kids started singing it for her really cute that's actually very cute. Yeah, it was cute. Well, I'm so happy that we got to touch base today. I'm so Me happy too, Rob. that we we were both very lucky in the fact that we both got to work with this great man mm-hmm. and yeah. seen his brilliance up close and personal. Um, but it feels like a lot of other people got to do that because his kindness and generosity and desire to teach seemed to know no bounds or limitations it's the mark of a great teacher isn't it that everyone feels like i had a teacher in college like this that when she passed i was so like really moved by it but what was comforting was that all these other people had these other personal experiences of being changed because of this one person and that one person can can do that on a micro level to so many people you know and everyone has like a moment that that's really magical that's really really special that somebody can can not only be good at it but also like teach and educate and, and change your people's lives. And that's just, you're right. It's just so beautiful. And I think that's maybe why his death has affected us even more. It's not just the brilliant work. It's that we've always known that there was this great man behind it. And I don't mean great just simply in terms of his intelligence and talent, which was great is too simple a word to use for that, but the kindness, generosity, an avid theater goer, 
a lover of theater. And like you said, the fact that he can say to you, oh, yeah, Nefertiti. Yep, written by this person, this person, this song. Oh, yeah. Um, Watching him during the run-throughs of Sweeney Todd was incredible Mm. because you would not find a more ardent supporter of what was going on on that stage than that individual. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so may we all live our creative lives as openly and freely as Mr. Sondheim did. Uh, I hope we all have a vodka stinger tonight to celebrate <laughs> him. And one, now, now not one for Mahler, but one for Steven. Um, I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. All right, my friends, it was so good getting to talk to you. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, please send us your recollections of Mr. Sondheim. Uh, if you got photos, letters, Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us. It makes us very, very happy. And wish Kevin break a leg on Friday night when Into the Woods opens. If you're in the New York City area, head on over to the Professional Conservatory of Musical Musical Theater Theater. at the New York Film Academy, 17 Battery Place, um, and go see Into the Woods. You're the best. You're the best. All right, my friends, take care. Take care, everybody. how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
www.thepurpose.org because only together we rise.